Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery for men. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude toward religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bash. Standing Stones. Ever thought much about these unusually large standing stones, which probably bring to mind the famous Stonehenge in Wiltshire, England? You probably haven't, and for good reason. We don't know much about them. These sizable ancient rock formations come with little explanation. We guess the oldest to be 12,000 years old, found in Turkey. Similar strange circles and other shapes pop up all over the world. They far predate any known language or alphabet, which goes a long way towards explaining why we don't know much about them. The engineering and precision of their placement are frequently so advanced that they defy any logical explanation. Many also have unique astronomical dynamics to them, which are nothing short of impressive. As curious and baffling as these structures may be, one thing we do know, they sure have stood the test of time, weather, civilizations, wars. They force us to ponder humanity before written history. From where have we come to where are we going? For many, such questions are irritating and cause impatience. There's food to be bought, children to attend to, plants to water, and calls to return until there isn't. When the busyness stops, the loneliness kicks in, the fears arise, where do you turn? For 2,000 years in the Western world, there's an answer to that question. Those big haunting questions land us with a visit to the local pastor or priest. This particular profession has provided a resource for the big questions in life. The clergy have listened, provided the skills of useful sounding boards, given wisdom and solace to point us beyond ourselves to something which makes suicide an unattractive alternative. But what happens when the busyness stops, the loneliness kicks in, the fears arise, and you be the clergy? Today, we have with us two people who decided to answer this question. Interestingly, they chose to name the organization Standing Stone. Let's meet them from Newport Beach, California, Jim and Debbie Hogan, the founders of Standing Stone Ministry. Welcome to Church Hurts and Good morning, John. How are you? Yeah, good morning, John. Jim and Debbie, can you give me the elevator speech about Standing Stone? I mean, ministering to ministers, isn't that kind of counterintuitive like operating on your surgeon? You know, uh, it, it's a really easy answer for us because we, we have recognized that uh, ministry leaders, pastors are under attack. And uh, it, it's, you know, we're, we're now in the post-Christian uh, dilemma that, you know, God has been taken out of, of the, 
the community here in the United States, in fact, all around the world. So the, the enemy still continues to take out the, the, um, the leader because he understands that if he can take out a pastor, a priest, you know, strike the shepherd and the sheep will, will scatter. And, and that's, that's what we're after, John, because what we want to do is to guide those, those ministry leaders, that it's you know, pastors, missionaries, parachurch leaders, into a safe and vibrant uh, ministry so that that they can go and provide um, their leaders the, the, uh, with our shepherds can go provide the, those leaders the ability to be strong and effective so that they have uh, you know, ministries that are vibrant. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and our, our ultimate goal is to have them in every city uh, uh, impacting their communities with Christ. Okay, let me let me just stop you there because this is church hurts and which kind of means we got some people who were cynical who've given up on church and I think the intuitive thing when we say church these days is to actually the hurt comes because those ministers you're talking about caring about are the ones who are causing all the pain. They're the turkeys that if you're in an average party and you bring up church and ministry, you're going to start hearing stories about jerks who really did bad things. You guys sound like the ultimate insiders. Don't you get that? What are you caring for these people for? They're the bad guys. Well, those jerks were the ones that got us uh, into this ministry. Because we we had three generations experience of having the church fail our family. Mm-hmm. It actually started out when I was 12 years old and family was deeply involved in our church and I had actually just been baptized and shortly after that found out that our pastor had run off with the church secretary. And that when, really, Wait, when you were 12 years old, mm-hmm, the guy who baptizes and, you? Yeah, 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 and it caused me uh, then to uh, think that, that, that church was very hypocritical. And uh, from, from then on, um, uh, until I was a, a young adult, um, I, I didn't want anything to do with church. Mm. Then I was turned off to church at a young age, high school age. Uh, we're actually high school sweethearts. We talked about Stonehenge. We, uh, we celebrated our 50th uh, wedding anniversary but a little over a year ago, and we went to Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. The second generation is our generation. Um, I was uh, chairman of the board of a very large mega church here in Orange County, and my best friend who led me to the Lord had a moral failure, and it was literally like rolling a, a hand grenade down the uh, the aisles of the church because this church was really focused on seekers, people who were looking for God and through church, and it, it was just the ripple effect kept kept going and going. Okay, so th- there we got all right two things. When we, and when we use words like moral failure, and we know that that means another minister's running around. So we got two ministers running around in your life story and your best friend and the man who baptized you, Debbie, and the man who gave you the message that you really bought into of Christianity, Jim. Right, right. I mean, and I would think you'd be saying, I'm out of here. Forget this stuff. Well, you know, what? Uh, it, was, um, it was when I was an early adult 
that I learned the difference of what it really meant to be a, to be a Christian. And um, I learned that I needed to put my trust in Christ because he is the only one that is trustworthy. Man is always going to disappoint you. Um, and pastors, after all, are just men. I have the same struggles uh, and oftentimes more struggles than a normal man does because they are put up on a pedestal. They're expected to be perfect. And we all know that we're not. John, the, the other thing that, you know, I was a late bloomer of becoming a, a follower of Jesus. I, I was 30 years old. And during our early life, we, you know, Debbie's parents were killed in a plane uh, accident just before uh, we got married. Uh, my boss, who I worked for for two years, uh, who was my mentor, uh, jumped out the nine-story uh, window and committed suicide. I was, in particular, but Debbie was too. We were shaking our, our fists at, at, at God. Why are you doing this to, to us? Mm-hmm. And until we figured out, it, it, you need to change that um, question around and, and say, instead of why are you doing this to us, what are you doing to us? What are you preparing us for? Mm-hmm. And that was the paradigm that shifted us to want to, you know, stop the, these crazy guys running around uh, who are, you know, devastating churches by uh, issues that they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we said three generations. And uh, so the, the, the third generation was our son, who was at that time um, dating his now wife. Um, and she had just become a believer. Uh, they were going to a church that actually had been founded by our son's youth pastor uh, and had been very close friends of our family. And um, he called us one uh, afternoon and said, guess what, mom? Our pastor stood up and said, he's had a moral failure. And so it's kind of, you know, it's, you know, you can mess with me, but don't mess with my kids. And at that point, we just looked at each other and we said, if we could stop one of these from happening, imagine what we could do for God's kingdom. Now, when, when we heard this information, we were in Colorado. We had just finished building a... Wait, uh, before, before you get there, Jim, let me cut you yeah, off. Sorry. Before you get there, because in the middle of this, so you've had these bad experiences, but in the middle of it, good experiences, because you're, you're sticking around and you've had relationships develop within the church that have continued to be life-changing. Both of you get to the place as volunteers that you're the head of a board, Jim. Debbie, you're running a mops ministry with all kinds of young women who just look up to you like you are the cat's meow and have for many, many years. And Jim, you are so crazy. You've been really successful in business, and we have to skip that story, but you had great success where you could do whatever you wanted, and you decided that you were going to help this failing church and go from being a volunteer to on staff. Really? I mean, does that just sounds like that was really nuts, right? What did it look like from the inside? <laughs> yeah. The, the, again, another paradigm shift is that, you know, um, I was really driven to be successful. And then, and, and to a point, uh, I met a guy by the name of Bob Shank, you know, mentored me for, and still does today. He started a ministry that talks about going from being uh, successful to significance. And that was the real paradigm shift for me to understand, you know, why am I here? And God says, hey, you're here to glorify me and to be my servant 
and to follow my lead. And so that's that kind of got me going towards if we, as Debbie said, if we could prevent just one leader of a church from falling and impacting those those followers, those those uh, congregants, we should start this ministry. And well, I, you know, I'd kind of like to add something, John, too, sure. because that um, it was during that five-year period uh, when Jim was the executive pastor of, a, of this very large church that we found out what it was like to be, uh, he found out what it was like to be a pastor. I found out what it was like to be a pastor's wife. And uh, it's not an easy job. No. Tell uh, me how different it looked. That's what I was asking, Kenna. How, how different did it look from the inside because, you know, people have this perception of what it is to be a pastor or a church, you know, on, on church staff. How did things change? What did you see, Jim, from the inside that was different? <laughs> I don't know if you can notice how uh, callous my lower lip is. I had to bite my lip because as the executive director of a large church, you hear as, as your monologue, is, uh, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of church. And you know so much information and you know the truth from the untruth and all the impacts that people are trying to do in a, in a large church, any church, it is devastating. You, you, you are caring so much uh, and, and you find out that those nice people you call friends and congregants, they're sheep and they bite and they bite hard. And so it, it, it's, you know, you get to carry all of their uh, issues and, and, you know, things that they want to have happen. And you, you can't be the Superman. You can't, you can't do everything that they're asking you to do. The, the, and, and for the, the, the wives or the, the ministries, uh, uh, pastor's wives, they, they get it, it even worse. Well, actually I, 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 it's, I think it really that it is even more difficult to be a pastor's wife. Um, at least a pastor has a job description. Um, he's probably got even a piece of paper that tells him where his responsibilities begin and end. A pastor's wife doesn't have that, but instead she has a ton of expectations coming from all different people. So those expectations are all different and there's no possible way that she can meet all those expectations. You know, I've been hearing underneath everything you've been saying, I, my mind keeps going back to the man who just received the Presidential Medal of Honor um, yesterday. Uh, and he took the time to quote his, he quote himself, you know, it's like the two most important days are your birthday, the day you were born, and the second one is in the day you figure out why you were born. And it sounds to me like that's your guy's story, that there was a a real purpose, and and that came to a head after all that that we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you were living, you know, you were doing fine in life. You're fine, like, oh, okay, we did that. We got into ministry. We, oh, you're exhausted. You're looking out over the ocean in Southern California, and you decide to move to Colorado for what? Well, first of all, um, Debbie and I, in particular, Debbie uh, loves ho love horses. And so, and I had, I, I, one of my past businesses was in construction. I always wanted to build a log home. So we found a beautiful piece of property on a river, look, looking up onto the Continental Divide. And it was heaven for us. And so we decided to build my dream of having a log home and her dream of having a bunch of horses around. 
And but you didn't after, stay in it alone, though. What happened then? Yeah, but yes, as, as what, what, uh, after our experiences, our life's experiences, we decided that we really would love to be able to come alongside um, ministry leaders to, to help care for them because we know that there's uh, they're out there caring for everyone. They've got an enormous, enormous giving hand and a, a, a shriveled up little uh, receiving hand. Um, and we also decided, um, because it was our experience, that it was going to be best to have one couple at a time uh, because uh, that allows a, a an intimacy that can't happen if there's more than one couple at a time. So we invited, we would invite them out to the ranch and they would spend a week with us. And we did have a program that they were going through, which is uh, loosely based on Bob Shank's master's program, but they never felt like they were going through a program because it was really just a series of, of, of questioning and, and listening, mostly listening to what they had to say. I wonder how many people, if they had the chance to do what you did, build their dream home, who would sit there and say, oh, okay, so let us start filling up a schedule with other couples that we don't know in providing a retreat environment for them. I, th I think I would think most people would be like, no, no, no. Now that we've built it, we're going to just kick back. And yet you guys found yourselves really benefiting from it too. You weren't just giving, were you? No, never. No, no. We, we took so much away from uh, that experience. And, and, and yeah, you know, the guy was continuing to to educate us because you know that stay at Standing Stone Ranch at the it was six nights, seven days, and they were lavished by three meals a day, uh, all the activities, horseback riding, fly fishing, you know, hiking, whatever. But at the end of that period, you know, we thought we'd just pat that couple on the top of the head and say bye bye, have a good life. But that's when God says, uh uh. This isn't where it ends. This is where it begins. Mm -hmm. Because if you wanted to shrink down or distill what happened that week, it was a week of building trust. And that's the biggest thing that ministry leaders are, are lacking. They don't, they don't have anybody they can trust. I mean, when I was in, in, in ministry, that was why I was biting my lip, because I couldn't tell anybody anything, because it would come back and bite you. And so, mm -hmm. so what the Lord said, okay, this is where it begins. This is a mentoring ministry. This mm -hmm. is something that you need to continue in contact with this couple mm -hmm. to allow them to, to be nurtured and cared for. Mm -hmm. And the word care for Standing Stone stands for connect, appreciate, relate, and encourage. Mm -hmm. That's our C-A-R-E. Mm -hmm. Let me just back up a minute, though. So I'm picturing these people coming, but... Uh, and our listeners are going to say, yeah, but why are they hurting so bad again? Tell me what's, what's kind of the common denominator. Cause you had, I mean, lots, lots and lots of people you ended up dealing with. What did you end up saying? Why are they so hurting? These are people who've given their life professionally to be doing this, right? What, what was the common denominator if there was one or the major issues that make these guys hurt? Well, and I'm saying, and by the way, I'm saying guys, and we're talking very masculine here, right, as, as right. if um, ministry leaders are only men. Um, and I referred to you, Debbie, before the show to our producer, and said, basically, it, I don't have a boss, but if I did, it would be you guys. And he's like, well, which one? And it's like, you know, no, you guys really do stuff together. 
<laughs> I mean, you really do in ministry. There's ministry husbands now and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, what's the pain that's caused by these people? Well, I I I think that uh, really the number one um, issue that they deal with is loneliness. Yeah. Um, they um, they really uh, and as as you know, as Jim has talked about they they are expected to be able to answer everyone's questions. They're expe- they're expected. Everyone comes to them with their problems. And so they're, uh, that in itself is an enormous burden. But where do they go when they've got problems? You know, they're expected to be perfect. And so they're afraid to go to anybody and to, and to express that maybe their marriage is hurting or maybe they're suffering from depression um, um, or, or, you know, any other variety of hurts. These are the spiritual first responders, aren't they? You know, we don't think about it a lot. We do talk about first responders. You know, we think of firemen and police and the people, they're characterized by when something bad happens, they move to it instead of going away from it. And that's exactly the job of a, of a good pastor, isn't it? Something mm-hmm. bad happens and they go there instead Absolutely. of run away. Absolutely. And they get tired and exhausted, just like first responders. I'm going to kind of skip because it's actually a relatively long story, but I'm going to skip to my phone call um, three years ago or two years ago, whatever it was, um, to you, Jim. And I was just looking for your insight and wisdom for where I was at a critical time in my life. I had just come through a very traumatic time with things happening in my own family and stupid decisions I had made. And at the same time, I just had a passion um, to really make sure that the last season I consider myself on the fourth quarter of life. That's why I'm an old curmudgeon, how to make that meaningful. And, and I didn't know what you were doing. And you said, Hmm, uh, you knew me well, cause we had worked together at one of the churches you referred to. So we had quite a history and you started to tell me about a ministry that went well beyond uh, retreats with one person. Uh, talk to me about how you went from kind of developing other people who did the retreats like you did, that you called retreat shepherds. Then you went into field shepherds. What What is that about? Well, we found out very early that scaling, and I'm a business guy, I like to scale things or make things big. Um, it was very, very difficult to do uh, a retreat scale because you got four components. You have the the mentor, the mentee, the homie, and the homie is a, what we do for Standing Stone is we borrow uh, uh, vacation homes from uh, individuals. So you got that component, then you have getting it all done in one week. So that was very, very cumbersome and very, very difficult. So what happened in uh, 2013 is that uh, Ken and Leslie Eichler, who we had trained as uh, retreat couples, came to us and said, hey, got to talk to them and said, hey, we need to go out and recruit pastors who are looking for a new opportunity, who have a passion and desire from their uh, experiences they've had it, to give back and to shepherd shepherds. And so that, that's what we did because, you know, we, we kiddingly say we recruit, train, and deploy our field shepherds. Well, we really don't train them. We, yes, we do because all of our, our, our field shepherds are independent, meaning that, that when they call on a ministry leader, they're not charging that ministry leader for their services or their connection 
or their soul care because they've gone and raised their own support. That's the only thing that we really train our shepherds in is, is in raising support so they can be independent. The guy who did all the training uh, for our shepherds is God because um, our average shepherd, I don't know how many decades you've been in ministry, but our, our average shepherd has over two and a half decades of experience of being in the church. So they come not with um, book training, but with on-the-job training. They understand what I was talking about in regards to the sheep bite. And so mm -hmm. that's how we got started into the field shepherds that you're, you're just discussing. And that is really, really scaling. Uh, it, it's exciting to see that happen. Mm -hmm. So now you got over 100, how many uh, men all over the country, men and women all over the country who are yeah, ministering we're, we're, to those we're about in ministry. 150 strong right now. And 150. It's yeah. crazy. Before, we're going to have to go. Time eludes us here quickly. But tell, tell me a, a story uh, about somebody who came who was ready to give up and they ended up instead uh, with you guys. I know you got a you lot. Just, just tell I me just, one. I just got goose pimply because um, before this call, um, I was on another call with one of our shepherds back in uh, the Nashville area. And he, uh, you know, I, I kind of started out, you know, tell us what you're celebrating. You know, it's kind of my opening statement. And so John was celebrating the one year anniversary of a guy that he basically walked off the ledge of committing suicide. This was a, he helped him not walk off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not walk off this, the ledge, please. Yeah. This yeah. guy was desperate, had uh, three kids, wife, um, and for whatever reason, this ministry had just sucked the life out of him. And he was depressed. Um, he had gone out and bought a gun, went to a, a, a shooting range and practiced shooting the gun, even practiced putting the gun in his mouth and to his head. And John got to him and was able to, you know, talk, talk him off the ledge. And and, and he is here today because of one of our shepherds mm -hmm. and, and back into ministry and back as a father and back as a husband and, and doing what uh, God wants them to do. But it, it gets that desperate sometimes in ministry mm -hmm. that these guys, and unfortunately we, we, we haven't gotten to all the ones that, and, and talked them out of it. And we, we, you know, suicide rate of pastors is off the charts because of the enemy is attacking. And so, yeah, that just happened this morning. So um, a year ago today. I've uh, reminded people on some previous shows that one of the reasons that kind of church hurts and church is hard is because it's a shrinking uh, environment, if you will. Church attendance is going down. In the post-Christian era, it's not popular anymore to be a spiritual leader. Now we're the yeah. enemy. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I want to say a few words before we wrap up, but just actually mention a story of my own uh, before I do. Uh, <clears throat> we were talking about this show and, and the difference um, it has made in a few people's lives. And one was a man a few weeks ago who just called me and said he'd been listening to Church Hurts And. And by the way, I encourage you um, who are listening to hit that subscribe button if it's on YouTube or or uh, on any of our podcast formats and forward it to a friend if it might be helpful. But 
anyway, this man said, I've been following the show, but he said, then the one came on with your daughter. And my daughter shared how she became a drug addict as a preacher's kid. The man was so cool. He was a, a local in, in Orange County, and, and he tracked me down, and just which is easy to do, by the way. Um, and he just said, what do I do? My son's struggling. And my son's struggling with alcohol. He's only 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Imagine as a pastor, what do you do? Go to your board and say, uh, my son's you know, basically yeah. an alcoholic. And we just had such great time. And I ended up hooking him up with my daughter. It's just a joy to be able to help those who give their lives to help people. Absolutely. So in conclusion, I just want to ask you, what sentence comes after, I am a rock? I, I bet many of you are thinking, I am an island. A tune is already playing in your mind as the chords of Simon and Garfunkel are strumming along. It's a catchy tune. It may even make you smile. But do you remember that it's not a happy song? No one is a rock. No one is an island. Today, we've talked about helping those who've given their lives to helping others. For many, it's a profession, but for others, it's a calling. First Timothy 3.1, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he honors an honorable position. The structure of the church was designed by God, and the office of pastor-teacher is often also described as that of an under-shepherd. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, and he's called some to help him in tending the flock. Today, we've remembered that shepherds can get tired. Shepherds need shepherds, too. An Episcopal friend of mine told me I was doing the job of bishop in his tradition. The idea made me smile, remembering the higher one gets in God's system, the more it is important they serve others day after day. My job with Standing Stone is that of a field shepherd. I'm to be there, to walk alongside those in ministry, to provide a shoulder to cry on, ears to listen, faith to encourage, and prayers to access the ultimate power of the universe. To do that, I am financially dependent upon my support team. It needs to grow to allow me to continue in this work, and I'd be honored if you would consider being part of that team. You haven't heard me ask before on Church Shirts, and this won't be the last time, but it isn't our main focus. If I'm honest with you, it causes me more worry than it should. I lack faith sometimes, wondering if there will be enough. If you'd like to find out more how to support my work and Standing Stone in general, encouraging Christian leaders, it's easy to do. Just go to churchhurtsand.org. And at the top, there's a donate button, which will lead you to the Standing Stone website and tell you more about this work. Those who commit to give any amount are quickly added to my prayer list. For those of you who choose the other button to make your gift weekly or monthly, I want to extend a particular thanks. It makes sleeping a bit easier for this sinful, doubting servant. As we head into the holiday season, remember the shepherds in the field who call who called out and got the experience to see the birth of a king we call Jesus, so called the great shepherd. He's watching over his flocks right now, and that is worth a thought. For Church Hurts and, this is John Bash. Go and enjoy God today, won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure, and brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts and. Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on
on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is the Shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end and enjoy God today, won't you?